Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast! It's just me this week. Uh, We are re-releasing an episode from December of 2018. Imagine that, when we recapped The Book of Speculation, which is one of my all-time favorite novels. I've recommended it to so many people since we talked about this, what, four years ago now? I guess three and a half years ago. Um, You may have noticed some inconsistencies with our posting over the last couple of months, and We do have an explanation for it. We're not super ready for sharing all of it with you guys now, um, but rest assured that everyone is physically safe, all humans, all animals, all of that, but there's some pretty big upheaval happening in Esther's life, and so we're doing this, and we are figuring out ways to keep moving forward with Wildly Tarot, so don't panic. We're here still. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us. Uh, we will be recording regular episodes shortly. Um, but yeah, just light a candle, keep Esther in your thoughts and everything will be fine and fantastic and, you know, wonderful. But in the meantime, please enjoy our recap of the book of speculation from December of 2018. Jeez Louise. I haven't even re-listened to the whole thing yet, so who knows how much into 2018 it feels. (laughs) Anyway, we love you! Hi, Holly. How's it going? Uh, not too bad. Just have my new little lizard around my house. Not too bad. <laughs> my Yule dragon, as I call oh, it. Oh, yeah. You have a new baby. I do. A Yule dragon. <laughs> the Yule dragon is another name. What's her name again? Hongxi. Hongxi. Hongxi is a type of persimmon here. Like, it's very, kind of reddish. Aww. And she is a little bit of a little red tegu. So we call her our Yule dragon. <laughs> And she's adorable. She makes pretty intense eye contact for a reptile. She does. And she's also breathes very heavily like a middle schooler who's very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Are they overbred like the way that English bulldogs are? No, it's just like like they want to make themselves look brave and sound brave. So then they breathe really heavily. Poor sweetie. I know. So she'll, she'll get over it soon. It's just this whole stage of being patient and training. So it's fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Which I also experienced over Yule weekend because my dog had never seen horses before, but my parents have horse neighbors. Oh. And she could not get over the horses. It was pretty <laughs> crazy and also kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like, I've never seen her so fixated on anything in my life. And I was like, how do I train this out of her? Was she, like, barking at them? What was going on? Yes, that. And also, they were hanging out along the fence line. And so Mac was, like, trying to get really close to them. So she kept sticking her entire head under the fence to try to see them, which scared me. Yes. I'm like, don't go in there. Right. And then she realized that she could jump up high enough to see over the six foot fence and so she started doing that and at first I thought it was so funny and then she like head butted <gasps> one of the horses oh and God. then I was like okay so now you're only going outside on leash because yes. this is way too dangerous is she just trying to meet them or 
see eye to eye? Like, was it? It's impossible to know. <laughs> These are big moles in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, they're big giant dogs. What are those big giant dogs doing? But then also, Nathan was like, um, we were watching her, like how majestic the horses were from up at, at a higher vantage point. Like, oh, they're so pretty. I wish Matt could just leave them alone. And then we saw one of them lean down and eat all of its own poop. And we're like, okay, a little bit less majestic. <laughs> So it was super fun to be up north with my family. But yeah, pet stuff is a little bit stressful sometimes still, even if we feel like experts. (laughs) Even though we've been doing this for quite a while. Yeah. I told a lot of my parents' friends about the podcast. I was wearing a dress that had like moons and stars all over the skirt of it. And somebody came up to me and was like, oh, I heard that you're really into tarot now. And based on your outfit, I can tell that they were right when they told me that. So you're a walking advertisement for us. Thank you. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah. So that was fun. And I hope that I get all of these Northern Californian, you know, 65 year olds to listen to our (laughs) podcast. Our demos are going to be Yes. (laughs) We just need to get on YouTube or whatever 65 year olds get on. (laughs) Facebook. Facebook. Although we're on Facebook. It's streaming on Facebook Live. But yeah, our group has been super bumping lately I the know. last couple days after the holiday ended. So I've been so excited. That's been super fun. I know. Yay. All of our tarot, wildly tarrowing buddies just posting up a storm. I know. It's been super fun to see what people got. Like if people got decks for Yule and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And that was a fun conversation. Like seeing what everyone bought or bought for themselves for Yule and Christmas. It's like, oh, that's yeah, fun. Exactly. I get to stalk you. So yeah. your pur- purchases. <laughs> Well, and also, like, sometimes it can feel a little bit like an echo chamber where I'm seeing all the same decks. And uh, there were some new ones that I've never seen before. And you got the Raven Prophecy Yeah, I one. got Raven Prophecy because Duff Taro, they had posted where that they like the Seven of Wands or something in the deck. And I was like, well, why is the Seven of Wands? Because that's kind of like a weird card to be your favorite card. And so we then had, she said, like, that her, it was her favorite because of the way that Raven Prophecy interpreted it. And it was, like, yeah, a really good conversation. Totally. I was like, and then she showed me her trimmed deck, and it's so much better trimmed. Like, so much better. Hmm. So then I got it, and I trimmed it, like, yesterday and finished edging it today. So I'm excited. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> How fun. Awesome. I, have you posted on Instagram about it? Have, I mean, as I told you earlier, this is the first time I've picked up a tarot card in a week. So I have not been very active with like seeing what everything is, what everyone's up to. So if you did post, I probably wouldn't have noticed. I didn't post about it yet because I was just kind of like, eh, I was so excited because it came, I had a work dinner last night. So I came home late and had gotten the package and just kind of did everything late last night. So it's okay. <laughs> I didn't need to post it. You're such a night owl. <laughs> so productive. If a tree falls in the forest, does it really happen? Or, you know, if I really posted on Instagram, did it really happen? So yeah. Do I have a deck if I haven't posted it <laughs> yeah, on Instagram? Exactly. <laughs> Well, let's see if I can still do tarot, right? Because I haven't pulled a single card since last Thursday. Yeah, last Thursday. That is so yeah. crazy. I can't even believe I know. that's true. I'm, I'm going to pull I'm card shocked, of the day. Holly. I know. Yay. I don't know. I mean, I know what was going on. I was just really busy. Just and holiday stuff. Yeah. People all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but still. <laughs> all right. So our card of the day is. The hermit. Oh, well, now you know. 
that you've been around too yeah. many people, Molly. It's reading you again. Well, almost. and also the hermit popped up in the book that we're talking about. That's true. Um, today. Yeah. So, but also the hermit is really a perfect card moving forward throughout this actual day of my life or of mm-hmm. our lives because you're about to go to bed when yes. we're done recording. <laughs> and yes. I'm just going to quietly be by myself and not yeah. interact with others and spend some time. And I had been considering um, doing my year ahead spread for myself today. I think I probably will end up doing it. Yeah. Especially if you, if you have some good time to like internalize and dwell on stuff. Just do it. Yeah. We'll see where I get in laundry and then I'll decide. But I love having the hermit show up. It's such a nice reminder that like it's it's totally normal to need to reset a little bit after so much activity. My only free day is Saturdays by myself. And usually on Saturdays in my readings, personally, the hermit will often show up. So I'm like, thank you for the confirmation that I need to spend some alone time today. So Yeah, seriously. And it is so important. Oh my goodness. Okay. That feels really good. I'm weirdly feeling super energized by the hermit. Like when does that happen to anybody? (laughs) It's like, like, well, I know when it happens to people, when people are introverts who just seem extroverted to others. Yeah. It's very true. (laughs) Yes. I was like, well, it happens all the time. I'm excited. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. I'm so excited to see it. Let's postpone our hermiting until after we're done recording this episode of our podcast, which we need to interact with each other during. (laughs) Let's just not hermit at the moment and wait for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there will be plenty of time for hermiting later. I mean, we could try um, hermit in the podcast, but it wouldn't be very fluid. We'd be just on different planes. <laughs> if we're each just having totally separate conversations <laughs> by ourselves. <laughs> Can you imagine us going through this book and just ra- rambling about the book individually? Yeah. <laughs> Have fun editing this, Esther. <laughs> uh, woohoo. All right. So we're only going to do one question today because we want to talk about Book of Speculation, um, which, spoiler alert, I still really liked as a novel. <laughs> I was I, when I was adding it to Goodreads, I realized that I read it like in December of 2016. So basically two years ago, the same time of year. And I think that it's nice and dark for the mm-hmm. season. But anyway, we're going to do one yeah. question first from our dear, dear love, Martin. Um, because it's kind of a New Year's focused question and we are recording this on the 27th of December. So this is functionally our last episode of 2018. Whoa. Except for the mini episodes. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. So Martin says, I have been through a personally tough year and now that I'm coming to the end of it, I'm trying to put a ghost, put a lot of ghosts to rest before 2019 arrives. Unfortunately, I'm not connecting with my usual favorite decks the way that I'd like to. I feel like I'm not the person I need to be to connect with them the way I used to. Could I ask you wonderful people to consult your cards and see what I need to be mindful of coming up? Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I've been off the radar. We love you so much, Martin. And Martin has been through a personally tough year. Yeah. So we would, of course, be happy to pull a couple of cards for you about what you should have on your radar as you go into 2019. I'm in my kitchen. So shuffling is going to be fun today. <laughs> How, what's your balancing situation like right now with all of your gear? Currently, a precarious? The, the laptop is on a stool, and I just placed the microphone upon the laptop, and the green grass grows all around, all around, and the green grass grows all around. So, <laughs> and I'm shuffling in my lap. I pulled two just to prepare you. Okay, okay. I will, I will pull one. How about that? I will just pull one right now. 
because I'll reserve my second one for clarification. <laughs> you know, we get to make the rules of this. You can pull as many as you want. <laughs> I pulled the five of wands for me. Oh, and I pulled the five of swords. Oh. And also, well, first I pulled the ace of swords. Okay. And then I pulled the five of swords. Okay. So that's some conflict that yeah. you're heading into. But I do think that if you've had kind of a personally stressful year, mm-hmm. then anticipating going into 2019 with trying to battle through some of those feelings is a good idea. Yeah. Because you're going to have to face them at some point. And when you have something where it's a year of a lot of stuff going on and you're just trying to live through it, you don't always have the opportunity to go into an active role of trying to fight to make things feel better. Yeah, because the, in the five of wands, I always see is like a bumbling bunch of idiots. So, because no, no, no one wants to, <laughs> no one knows what to do with their wands. Everyone's just kind of like, what's my wand yeah, doing? Right. So it's, it's not necessarily <laughs> like you're fighting other people. Like to me, I see the five of swords more of like a, that sort of fight. To me, the five of wands is in contrast is more of like, you're, no one knows what to do with their wand, but there's a, there's like, annoyance there there's stuff that's going on under the under the surface that's annoying and not necessarily like yeah the in the it's more people oriented if that makes any sense like the other people you're working with well and even with the five of swords it's also not an active yeah. battlefield i guess that's true for both of them it's kind of like one is people bumbling around not really making contact and the other one is sort of once everyone's given up and you're left to sort of pick mm-hmm. up the pieces like okay well everyone's left their swords here like this could yeah. be helpful um, and since they're swords and also with the ace of swords there, it seems like that's going to be a lot of like thinking things through really mm-hmm. rationally rather than like allowing emotions to still sort of take right. precedence in this beginning of a healing process. Like you'll, you have this raw power with the ace of swords, um, and you'll be able to get there, but kind of like just actually starting to put the pieces back together and like be in an mm-hmm. action position rather than just a reactive right, position right. and it's kind of like the onion layers these the five of the swords and the five of wands are like those first onion layers to kind of peel back to deal with and then you'll get to co- more core issues going on that's my bumbling five of wands <laughs> <laughs> do you have a clarification uh, card maybe you could pull another card to talk about how to move forward, forward. Is, with it strength. Is strength actually <laughs> it is strength no way <laughs> I was just thinking, I always like changing the moving forward, like in my head to moving forward with strength. And I said, with strength as you pull strength. (laughs) You had a clairvoyance moment. I know. You're the happy taro deck you sent, which is like, it's always like a cup half full kind of deck. So that's why I kind of wanted to use it for Martin because I knew you had a a rough year. But it's like where the the girl is like petting a lion and the lion's extremely like happy. He's like so cute. So it's like, oh, that is a really yeah. cute deck. I, I'm glad that yeah, you're yeah. going to get some use out of it because it's so not my style, it's but really, it's really it's, adorable. It's, it's ridiculously adorable. So it's so adorable. But I love that moving yeah. forward with strength as strength as like, I think that that really pairs well with the mm-hmm. ace of swords saying like you have this power and this ability to get through it. And so now it's about just getting in that action role and right. facing things and, you know, moving forward and gathering information rather than feeling like you're just being battered right. by a storm, which is totally normal when you're having a really hard oh, yeah. personal year to just kind of be like, okay, well, once this is over, everything yeah. will be fine. 
But then the next year has to be about making everything fine because it doesn't exactly. just happen. And it's that like it's like a resilience <laughs> and perseverance through all this working through crap. So it's it's not it's nothing that will yeah. happen overnight, but it's something to continually strive for. Exactly. And we know you can do it and not just because we love you, but also because we pulled yes, these cards and, for and you. Holly had a clairvoyant <laughs> moment with strength. <laughs> I know. I just feel like that's a good yeah. message for you today. And also my clairvoyance is get I mean, I am not clairvoyant <laughs> at all, but I do like that I could do it from across an entire I know. Pacific that ocean. That was really that was lovely. And like a like a Wi Fi connection. Like we're not even <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So like we talked about last week, we are doing something totally new, and this is uh, going to be kind of like a book overview slash tarot criticism <laughs> of a novel called The Book of Speculation, which is by Erica Swyler. And this was written in 2015, so a couple years ago. Um, and like I said, I read it two years ago. We're going to kind of walk through some of the beats. It's not going to be spoiler heavy, uh, because I, I really liked it and I do think that people should read it, but we do want to talk about the use of tarot as a plot device. So what was your sort of general feelings about the book? Okay. So there's two different experiences. One is the audiobook. and the audiobook, <laughs> the guy is, oh, true. he's a very good narrator or like audio actor. I mean, like there was... Yeah, I was yeah, like, I was that like, sounds right. That I think that's called? what they call themselves. <laughs> um, so, but it was just very slow in that. Like every chapter is like twenty yeah. or thirty minutes, and I'm like, get a move. It's Whoa. like it's ridiculous. I'm like, get a move on. Like, get a move on. We gotta. I I need the story. I mean, the sex scene that was in there was very nice. Thank you for your voice, Mister Man. But <laughs> I was I was just like. I, I need this story faster than like half an hour for a chapter. It's going to take me three weeks to get through this book. So <laughs> yeah, that's always a yeah. risk with audiobooks because you have, I mean, if you, they in speed reading like classes or whatever, we probably listen to the same right. Ono Ross and Carrie episode about speed reading, but the whole like thing that they teach you is to not just read at the speed that mm -hmm. you would read aloud when you're, if you want to read quickly, don't just read at the speed you'd read aloud. And so audiobooks are like the exact example of why that's true because audiobooks take forever, forever to forever. get through. So like I got to chapter, like I want to say four or five and I was like, I'm just going to download the book. I'm just, and so then I read it like in an, like overnight at that point. So I liked reading the book more than listening to the audiobook. And I think reading the book yeah. helped more because every chapter is a contrast of history. Like one's present day, the next is like history. And I yeah. think that helped with the speed of things because it can be, it, for me, it was a little bit jarring because it wasn't connected necessarily. It was like literally like two separate stories through yeah. the whole book. And they feel more and more connected, but I can see why listening to that in an audio medium would not. Feel I was quite confused. So I was like, "Who is this kid? What's going on?" Like, I'm so <laughs> confused. So now, did they use the same uh, the same actor for both? Yes, sets of it, and he oh does all the voices. He does all the voices, like for the old ladies, for Southern lady, for the like Mrs. Zarkova, Zarkova. Uh. I like, feel like it would have made a lot of sense for it to be somebody else's voice because it does yeah, alternate. Like if it was like American Gods, where they have like different actors for each voice, I yes. could, I would get it. But this I was like the same actor there. and he was good, but it was just like very slow. So yeah. I think that helped like even like today listening to it, I was more annoyed with the book than I was initially. So <laughs> I blame the audiobook for some of my annoyance. That's but fair. I like but I like the book itself. It was it was okay. It wasn't too bad. So 
Yeah. So I I read it two years ago, like I said, and I really liked it then. And I think I liked it more now, which is kind of surprising. It's only like 330 some odd pages. So it's not a huge commitment. Mm -hmm. And the paper version of the book is really cool because it has kind of like ragged edges. You know, that type of like when people have it be a little bit softer along the edges. So it has a really interesting textural experience because the as we'll, I guess, go into now, the whole entire thing is about this book of speculation and so it starts with the main character Simon um, kind of talking to his neighbor about being really worried about his house because it's like crumbling into the ocean they're in Massachusetts I want to say somewhere no, they're in, in like, like they're in Long Island New York oh yeah good call Thank, I <laughs> remember you. that because I was like they're in New York sorry <laughs> yeah I don't know very much about Long Island except for like cliches about it from pop culture so i'm, I'm like oh like i guess Jersey there's like a... stuff, so. yeah exactly I'm, it's just not even on long no. island that's a totally separate it's place not. but i keep thinking like more of a party place than a like you know crumbling historical house place right anyway. right exactly so his house is literally crumbling into the ocean and um he does this tradition every year where he um Basically, emulate... Oh, yeah. So, content warning. There's going to be a lot of mention of suicide because the main character's mother is the most recent in a long line of women in his family, as he comes to find out, who um, completed suicide by basically walking into a body of water and drowning. Yeah. All in the same day. Every... In yeah. all of their lives. Yeah. All of... Yeah, exactly. So they might be at different ages, but it always happens on the 24th of July. July. Yeah. Every single year. And so he... And we don't know any of this yet, obviously, but he has this yearly tradition because his family come... Or his, the women in his family were all carnival performers whose skill was holding their breath for like 15 minutes at a time. Right. And they were all called mermaids. And so his mom, when he was really little taught him and his sister how to hold their breath for a really long time and like, you know, just be fine. And so he has a yearly tradition of going into the water for 10 minutes or whatever. And his neighbor is kind of like his guide for that. Like he watches him to make sure he isn't dying. So anyway, Simon gets back up to his crumbling down house and there's a package for him that contains this really old book. And the really old book has a note with it that says, like, basically, I saw this name in this book and after some research decided that it should be for you. And it's his grandmother's name. Yeah. And it's basically an internal circus slash traveling carnival record of this carnival that his grandmother was. No, that's not true. Why was the grandma's name in the book? Because it's like I think the grandma's name was like scribbled ago. in the book. Like it was like okay. an afterthought. Like it was it, okay. it, the book. What didn't have to do with him necessarily, but it was her name was like in the back or like in an the back or of something. it. And so the, at like the that. beginning of the book, he doesn't have any context for that. He knows that his grandma's name is in the back of it, but when he's going through the beginning, there's all of these like illustrations and like day to day activities of this carnival that was go- kind of moving around in the. Um, 1800s right seven late late 18th century early night well no right? it, it was it was 1790s is when like amos yeah. was born so i feel so like it was like the turn of the century ish yeah exactly 
So that's the first chapter. He gets this book and it's like, what's going on? And they kind of like mention that his sister reads tarot at a carnival now. Um, and everyone's sort of a little, she's a little bit more of like a absent character in the be- very beginning, but she, it does make note that she's a tarot reader, which is interesting because he knows that his mom and grandma were mermaids in a circus or carnival. And they kind of interchange those two things, but yeah. it seems much more carnival. Yeah. Yeah. They don't traveling, have a yeah. And not necessarily yeah. circus. Cause there were no like lions. I mean, there were llamas, but there weren't any lions. <laughs> So I feel like that kind of draws a line between a carnival and a circus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then the, when they, we're not going to do totally chapter by chapter, but just for like the baseline context. Yeah. Yeah. And the second chapter we're introduced to, I loved this name, Hermelius Peabody. Oh yes. (laughs) Who is the writer of the book. And the reason that we're introduced to him is that the, there's a second character that Esther kind of alluded to already named Amos, who was born in the 1790s and was basically like cast out by his family because he was mute and kind of a weirdo, but mostly just because he was mute and he disappears into the forest and then develops a skill to like actually disappear visually from people's line of sight, which I think is an important like literary thing to include because that gives you context that there's actual mystical things happening in this book. Yeah. It's not just like literal history and, you know, family drama. There's also a little bit of like magic that's happening. And so Peabody finds Amos and kind of brings him into the carnival. And we meet a whole cast of characters, including the tarot reader, um, who's this Russian lady, uh, whose last name I wrote down 500 times thinking maybe if I write it a million times, I'll be able to pronounce it more easily. I think it's Sarkova, but her name is, I think. What? Rizkova? Oh, Rizkova, it's, yeah. Sorry. It's R-Y-Z-H-K-O-V-A. Yeah. I know it's something Zkova. So we'll go with Rizkova. Rizkova. <laughs> I took I Russian to for like two if you years to. in college. Really quick. <laughs> yeah, send me the audiobook. <laughs> but anyway, so she's this terror reader and she really takes Amos, who's this completely mute um, person, at, sort of in along with Peabody. They kind of become like surrogate parents to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, Rizkova, Madame Rizkova is the one who gives him the name Amos because Amos I don't know. You you know better than I do. And the Bible. Amos is a Bible name, but he's like a prophet. I don't know exactly why, like Amos, because he's like a very minor prophet. But there's yeah, really but nothing didn't that he suffer a lot? I think that there all was the something prophets about suffered. Suffering. Like every all no. the prophets. It's like <laughs> you can't just pick. One why would you sign up for that gig, Esther? Jeez Louise, it's not worth it. You, basically, like prophets is like the worst job in the Bible. You don't want to be a prophet. <laughs> you always Some die the horribly. Prostitutes have more fun than the prophets do. <laughs> Anyway, so then as we move forward, um, Simon gets fired and then he finds out that that's when he sort of starts putting the pieces together about the 24th of July being this like really important date in his family's history. Um, and then he, because he's been fired, he doesn't have, he works in a library. That's like an important part of it because he has all this history with books. And this is one of the reasons that Esther has a problem with his book. He should know how to treat books better. But anyway, he trades. I'll, I'll hold he, my tongue right now. I'm just, yeah, exactly. Just listeners anticipate me talking about this. Yeah. Anticipate an archivist level anger, uh, because that'll happen. But anyway, he trades information or access to the computer system with his sexy childhood friend who we're not going to go too much into their story because there's just a lot going on in this book and we want to focus more on the tarot stuff. Um, but they've known each other since like infancy. And then all of a sudden randomly they start boning once he gets fired (laughs) from this job. (laughs) 
So that was, that's actually my least favorite part just because as, <laughs> as you all know, as a lover of romantic novels, that's so weird. Like yeah. I'm, to- I'm all about the childhood friends, like finding love thing, but it just seems so not fraught with emotion that they yeah. decide to date. Oh, I feel like, like, just to spoiler alert, well, not really spoiler. I feel like Simon is like severely depressed. Oh yeah, totally. Like, and so I feel like the lack of emotion on his part and the lack of enthusiasm on his part kind of puts a damper on things. Cause I like Alice as a character. Cause that's yeah. what the girls, I like her a lot. She's really sweet and really kind and she's really involved and wants to like do stuff, but he's Help. just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Well, and he has a lot of reasons for being kind of depressed because yeah. his mom died. Yeah. And when he was a kid and said like the last thing she said to him was like, you're in charge of your sister. She's going to try to run away, but don't let her which is like thanks Thanks, mom mom. that's a lot to put on a six-year-old and then in the subsequent 10 years after that their dad just like wastes away and like dies my theory is he became like amos and didn't talk because he's oh, never mentioned was saying a word at all. And that was just, yeah. Mrs. Ritzkova said like, she's, you know, she's going to basically suck the soul out of you anyway. So. Oh my God. You're so good at literary criticism. No, I kept I doing, I kept, going, <laughs> I kept going back and forth between like plot analysis and then like the, you know, reading for college where you're like, wow, this theme really goes throughout the whole thing. <laughs> but I like that theory because we'll, and we'll talk about that in the next chapter, but there's like an L, some of the tarot cards are about how there's like, a, a you know a watery woman who mm-hmm. will basically drain them which I also don't like when I say it out loud but I felt like it worked pretty well in the book yeah I just never anyway so at dinner <laughs> while they're at dinner while Simon's at dinner with his sexy neighbor Alice uh his sister calls him after a really bad tarot reading and is like like fuck can I come home and he's like, of course, you're always welcome here, blah, 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 blah. But it's also interesting because when I have a bad tarot reading, I tend to not want to tell anyone. <laughs> not like tell Just my like, brother. Hide the cards, burn the cards. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Pretend that nothing. never happened. And he sleeps with Alice. And for him, that means that he has no job. His neighbor, who's the father of Alice, who's been helping him all these years, it might hate him. You know, and his house is still falling apart. And then he looks at the book, which is open on his counter, and it's open to a page that has a depiction of the tower on it. Yeah. And that's our first tarot card of the book. Yeah. Because I think Enola is his sister's name, Enola. Yeah. And I think she had kind of mentioned, like, the tower or something. It had kind of alluded to the tower when he was talking to her. And then when he got home, he saw that that card. So I feel like those were connected somehow. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the tower keeps coming back up over and over again. It's It's the only card that's read properly in this whole book. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) It's the only card that has the meaning that's kind of a proper meaning. So yeah, that's true. Good point. Uh, There are a couple where I'm like, okay, I can see it, especially if you're like learning through oral tradition rather than like using a little. Some of them I'm like, well, it's kind of your own personal decks. You know, so I could kind of see it, but others I'm like, what? what? Yeah, what? What are you even talking about? <laughs> Can I tell you my alternate title for this book? Yeah. So it's called the Book of Spe- Speculation, as we all know and love, and I have titled it, aka, everyone needs to just research for a day. <laughs> <laughs> aka, so won't the real librarian please stand up? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, somebody they should all have these research skills. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> 
that's that's what I did not understand is we have we're surrounded like Alice is a librarian. Yeah. He is a librarian. Well, she does IT. But <laughs> no one like sits down for a day and researches. He puts all of his research off to other people. So I'm wondering if that's part of why he was fired too. Yeah. It's because he actually because didn't he does, like do any work. Like, all of these other people who are doing all this research <laughs> all for, this him and for him and like bringing him stuff. <laughs> and then my archivist rant is when you have a book that's from the 1790s, you do not touch it without gloves. Like, yeah. you don't send it. And he mentions it. I should really pick up some gloves, but then never does. Never did. And then, like, you don't sit it out in storage in a con- It's basically a condemned house. Like, that's what it yeah. always implies. It's like a house that should be condemned. Yeah, and he, he breaks his ankle later in the book from falling through the floor. <laughs> the floor. Like, come on. It's like, the roof, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, and the roof is leaking. And I'm like, you don't need to put this book in danger like that yeah exactly like that's that's, well they do a lot worse things to the book than just put it in danger yeah i worked in a library for years and i've done like librarian like work and i'm like this is like the antithesis of what all librarians stand for yeah seriously nobody would let this happen what kind of librarian are you sorry Okay, so moving on, Rizkova decides that Amos needs to be her apprentice. So he's been doing this wild uh, boy act where he's like literally in a cage and he's, you know, waving his penis all over the place as like part of what gets the crowds to faint or whatever. And Rizkova decides that she needs to kind of bring him under her wing and that she can teach him to use cards. She also says a couple of things at this that I really liked. Uh, one being the tired mind does not hear well because yes. I, you know that I'm such a fan of sleep. So she's like <laughs> trying to give, you know, give everyone the space to have some resting moments and stuff. Um, but he learns kind of what the cards mean from working alongside her. Oh, this is my note to myself being about being like, why are the minor arcana cards so similar to the Rider Waite Smith that this happened in the late 1700s? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so they're describing what the cards look like. And generally, it's mostly major arcana. And so yeah. it seems like fine. Like, yeah, when she talks about the tower, she does say bla- black background with a tower in front of it. And that's not what the Tarot de, tarot de Marseille tower card looks like right but at the same time when cards were being handmade maybe that artist depiction of it was or whatever but then when they start talking about like the ace of cups and all of these other minor arcana cards it's like those are just flat out so 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 similar to the Rider Waite Smith depiction which as we know was not produced until the 1900s right yeah so that's a little bit weird but the weird I mean maybe Erica the author like did more research about tarot as she went because in later parts of the book, she really does make a distinction like where she points out, Oh, it's interesting that this isn't a Marseille style right. or a yeah. writer style. That's why I was so like, like, like everyone needs to do an hour of research in this book, including the author. Like, it was yeah. like, like at the beginning, I, because I was confused because all of the descriptions, even like the pictures in the book are based off RWS decks. And so I was, yeah. I was like, wait, if this is happening in 1790s or 1800s, like early 1800s, the How RWS deck happen? doesn't come out for another century. Like, what's going on? And then I was researching and making sure no Tar de Marseille came out like in 1750s. And so I was like, well, what's going on? Because yeah. like the, that that Arthur, you know, that sort of thing doesn't come out until much later. So yeah. I, I, I kind of trying to give like grace where it's like, okay, it's a personal deck. These symbols have been around for years and eons yeah. blah, blah, blah. but at the same time and it's like also, eh. it's just it's a little bit hard to reconcile because i don't 
there's just no way that Arthur Waite was like the first person to come up with two people holding cups as a symbol for a two of cups. Right. But it's also not something that's like widely. I mean, I guess that information just isn't really that available because it's all so like esoteric and isolated. Right. That, I like, feel like the major arcana is different than minor because minor I could kind of see because the meanings are more simplified. But even with like the devil, the devil card still had two people chained to a devil and stuff. Yeah. So to me, the major arc kind of had it, it was more problematic. Kind of like that in Terra de Marseille too. Yeah. So. so that's the weird thing. So it's it's just unclear. So if you're able to get past that, it's fine. Yeah. If you get stuck on that like we did, it's a little bit trickier because we're just like, what? Well, and it wasn't explained to like it wasn't explained to like halfway through the book that this was a personal deck that was hand drawn. Yeah. So that was kind I of. I mean, I guess we should too. have assumed that because it's way before publishing of tarot decks. But still, but still, totally I was right. yeah. For me, it was just more of confusion. Like, okay, the art. What deck is this? Who? Who? Yeah. So in this chapter, that's when Amos decides that the fool is his identifier card, and it kind of like is the beginning of him using tarot cards to communicate with people because he doesn't have language, um, so he can understand people because he's just he's mute, but he can understand what's going on around him. So he uses cards and shows people like, oh, this is how I'm feeling. Whatever. By right. handing them cards that represent it. And so he decides that he's the fool in this chapter. But before that, um, Rizkova gives a reading in which the Page of Pentacles, uh, which is to represent him, the and the Queen of Cups come up, and also the Tower comes up again. So this is the start of that, of what Esther was talking about, where the Queen of Cups is like this watery woman who causes destruction and collapse of the enthusiastic young man that she's with. Yeah. And so, and this context, because it's one of the historical chapters, Riskova's warning Amos, like you'll find love that will destroy you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you're totally right. That could really easily be reflected in the more modern stuff too with his mom. It, it was strange because it's like later that queen of cups, he changes it to a queen of swords. And I wonder yeah. if that was on purpose where he didn't want to kind of admit that she was the queen of cups because her being a mermaid, it, I was like, in my notes, I questioned why is she not the queen of cups because of yeah. the water and all this stuff. But I wonder if he intentionally changed that maybe because it was just that he picked it because she had black hair and that was the only reason. Yeah, exactly. Which was so. also kind of interesting because I don't use court cards that way. Yeah. Like the physical look, look thing is a way right. that a lot of people do use court cards. But I think that that's when I was trying to learn it that way, it was way too limiting to think mm-hmm. about it. And just in terms of like actual physical, physical characteristics. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, that's kind of brings up that point for yeah. sure. And especially in the uh, beginning of the book, the card meanings are more archetypal. If it makes any sense. Like they're not used like in the traditional, like for reading like fortunes yeah. or reading things like that. It's more of, there's more archetypal usage except for like this first reading from Mrs. Ar- sorry, Reitzkova. Reitzkova. Ooh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's I the like fir- that you keep calling her Mrs. rather than Madam. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what her first thing is. I'm like, Madam, Mrs. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like Mrs. because it makes it sound so much less mystical and cool when it's just like Mrs. Reitzkova. Yeah. Yeah. And then the parts where they do actual like readings for people, there's like an there's like implication that she changes cards to kind of get more money from them. Yeah. And I thought that that was really interesting when he she says like you, you know, sometimes you have to just tell people something that they want to hear. Right. 
and they'll give and, you more money and it's better for you that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so when the girl shows up, when Evangeline shows up, she is this mermaid, the first in the line of mermaids. And you find out and the next time it goes back to the historical era when it's from her perspective that she was basically raised by a really religious like Dutch sect, basically. Yeah. And she was the child of sort of a, you know, unmarried tryst between this man who comes with the miss and this <laughs> Dutch girl. And I loved that because there's another part later where they talk about how every culture has a water spirit, mm-hmm. like, yeah, archetype. Nymphs, but in, yeah. The, in America, they don't necessarily name it. And so it just is understood that because of this tryst, all of this, the reason this family can hold their breath so long is because they're part of this lineage. Yeah. Yeah. Part of Selkie, like whatever they are. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, the, when this, when Evangeline shows up at the, she's like dripping wet, she's just murdered her grandmother, which comes up later, but she's just murdered her grandmother. She's soaking wet. She's barefoot. Her feet are bloody. And immediately Rizkova knows that she's this watery woman because it hasn't been raining. So it's like, how did she get here and why is she soaking wet? And this is when the tension between those two sort of starts is like, Rizkova's really worried about Amos and Mm -hmm. Amos is like immediately like I need to protect this woman and I you know think she's beautiful yeah (laughs) and I feel like with with Madame Rizkova that they had this sort of like siren or mermaid in the old country and that that's how she knew about it because she wouldn't even like to speak the name of what they what she was because she was kind of she was afraid of like calling it more yeah, which is really common with folklore. Like, if you say their name, then you're at risk of it. Yeah. So I just um, thought that was really interesting. Then we go back to Simon's time, and there's more information that comes up about, like, the different levels of generations between Evangeline and his sister Enola. And Alice is bringing him more info, and the tower comes up kind of again because the house is literally falling, falling apart. apart. The gutters yeah. are falling off, and people keep saying, you need to do something about this. And he's like, I don't know how, because he's just basically a total, like, it took him so long to do the math about his grandmothers dying all the same day. Like, and also they talk, he's like, how old were they all? And then it ends up being that they were all totally different. Like, I would have done that in the first hour. How old were they when they died? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you're worried that your sister might be next, which is kind of like, this is when he starts realizing that his sister might be next. Right. Because she's had all these really weird readings and he's super nervous about her and like in and of itself because of the warning that his mom gave him about her trying to run away and all this stuff. And so it's just this whole crazy thing. Um, And so the tower energy kind of comes up again for that. It's pretty on the nose because it's literally a crumbling house Mm -hmm. over an ocean, just like the tower is. Yeah. It is kind of interesting. I can't remember the exact moments when this happens, but he does sort of mention that in every depiction that he looks at, there's a different number of people who are like falling. And so sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's two people. And I think if I were going through it a little bit more closely, I probably would have wanted to see when he saw that it was two people because then it's like, either just his sister or him and his sister or him and Alice or like all of this chaos that ends up happening. But that's not really like as explicit as just the tower being the crumbling house stuff. 
Anyway, so then the devil comes up when when the house stuff is getting worse and he's feeling even less control over it. And that's, again, a writer Wade Smith depiction. Yeah. <laughs> Inexplicably. <laughs> and then Enola comes home. Yes. And she sees the devil page up and she tears it out of the book. She comes in smelling super, super boozy and she's really skinny she looks like a disaster and she's like you need to come with me like come with me on the carnival whatever and she's like everyone wants a swimmer it's like such a popular thing um but yeah it's the first time that she tears anything out of this historical book she just tears it rips up the card and he still lets her be around the the <laughs> book so much like he leaves it open on the desk for her to kind of peruse because she yeah. turned more pages out spoiler alert so yeah later she tears every single image of a tarot card right out of it and it's because she recognizes that this weird rws marseille combo that she has is exactly the same as the cards that are depicted in the book so yeah it like that comes out that the reason that these cards are so that her specific cards are so important is because they're the same cards that Rizkova was using and Peabody was seeing and drawing in the book. Right. But anyway, so then they go back. Oh no, it's actually in a chapter that's in the modern era where they talk about how every culture has the Enola says, wait, no. Yeah. It's when he takes a book from the library, right? Where that every culture has the, because oh, he yeah. picks up that book, he's basically Legends he steals a book from the library the as a librarian. He steals two books from the library as a fired <laughs> librarian, and it do- that does come back up. He does get in trouble for that. He does get in trouble, but still. But anyway, yeah, it says every culture has water spirits, mermaids, selkies, nixies. In America, we just don't name them, and I think that that's like obviously laying the groundwork for understanding that this Evangeline woman is not just a pretty girl who can hold her breath forever, right? But might have some mysticism. Um, and then also in that chapter, Enola is like laying out card after card after card. Like, what is it? Three. She doesn't know. She does a six by six spread. So six rows of yeah. six, 72 cards, six times six, 70. I don't know what six times six is anymore. That was me neither. Oh, is that, is she doing a <laughs> Why do we try to do math on there? <laughs> I know. We always do this and then we're like, huh, what's going on? No, six times six is 36. 36. Crazy. I knew I? that. I didn't just do I'm that math 12 on a calculator. I'm thinking 12 times 12, I think, probably. That's 124. <laughs> Why am I doing math? <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, no, no, no. Nine, nine times, times nine, nine is there 72. <laughs> I knew there was a double. <laughs> Anyway, so she's obsessively, like, nonstop doing the six-by-six spread over and over and over again. She doesn't even seem to be, like, reading it. As soon as all the cards are out, she just swoops them back up and does it again. And so the scary part about that is that it's now 10 days before the anniversary of their mom's death. And their mom was doing the same thing before she drowned herself. So... It's, again, like, there's something weird going on with these cards. There's something weird going on with this message. Then we go into several chapters that are just about house stuff. I wrote a note to myself that says, is it a tower moment if you can see it coming so easily from the outside? (laughs) (laughs) Because they're, like, talking about how all the neighbors' houses have already fallen Fallen into the ocean. So now, now in these chapters, is this the chapter, or is this the place where he calls the bookseller and asks for help? Yes. Okay, because I have a bone to pick with that. Oh, yeah, tell me. So th- so what Esther's talking about, the bookseller just sent him this book. The man who sent him this book out of the blue is like a antiquity, a book antiqu- 
antiquities dealer, basically. Yeah. So he sent him the initial book of speculation. And then he's like, my he's, you know, Simon is worried about his sister. And so he calls the man saying, hey, do you have a book that could help me figure out because my sister may die in like the ten 24th, days. 10 days, whatever. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, let me look around. I'll overnight something to you. I think I have something. And so he sends them this book of bindings and charms or something. And, yeah. the, and he never uses it. He, no, like, not he, even once. And I was like, you have a book here of binding charms. Yeah, and apparently it's too dense, but I really feel like that it would be so easy. I think that the only the only reason that that came up is so that the idea of this being a curse, curse could be, be in our heads. <sighs> but also, it like spoiler alert, it turns out that the bookseller has a connection to this carnival too. Yeah. So the bookseller is doing all these things that he claims he has no idea why. Like right. I don't know why I was just drawn to send just you this drawn book. Just drawn to send you this. Right. I don't know why, but this book seems like a good one to send you. So if there is some mystical reason that the bookseller sent him that book, it would just have taken Simon like three days to go through that book. I'm telling you, something no one specific. is researching this shit. Like read <laughs> yeah, a fucking so. book, people. <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, anyway sorry. So, I just had to, I just had to, to rant no, about you're that right. for a moment. It's totally right. And then they send, he sends him another book that's all tarot card meetings and that's like fine and dandy, and but he, like why? Yeah. And he uses that one, but he didn't use the other one. Anyway, what could help you remove? Move this curse isn't you're not yeah. reading it yeah exactly it's right there <laughs> okay sorry but we can continue anyway, <laughs> then we go back to um amos and ritz that's when ritz, Ritzkova teaches him how to lie to clients and they do something lie to clients i'm sure that that's not how they it's not phrased it in like, like that, 19th yes. century uh carnival land but <laughs> she like puts cards up her sleeves if something looks bad or whatever and they'll reverse so it with can... like really like hand movements sort of stuff yeah hand magic. yeah so things can be hidden she's basically like sleight of hand to yeah. prevent bad news from coming and that's just so weird and like obviously something that modern tarot readers don't who are ethical would yeah. never do i was like in my notes um, i said they are not ethical readers <laughs> so. yeah that is not ethical reading but i also think that maybe in like really I think later when they get like driven out of town, it makes a little bit more sense why they need to be sort of careful. Yeah. Because if they give bad news, then people are more likely to drive them out of town. Yeah. Um, Then Amos is falling in love with Evangeline and she, he first tries showing her the lover's card to be like, I love you. And um, she gets freaked out and because she can read and he can't. So she knows it says the lovers and she has this whole mindset of like, everyone thinks I'm sinful. That's why I killed my grandma. If I'm just his lover, then what, you know, Mm -hmm. then that's a disaster. And so then that's when he starts using the fool to represent himself, the queen of swords to represent her. And he gives her the strength card to represent their love because he's the wild boy, the lion. And she is this strong woman who's helping him, I guess, not, be a lion kind of tame the lion i guess yeah and so that's really when him using tarot to communicate with those around him becomes a thing and that really is literally the only way he can communicate with people yeah yeah because he still doesn't have any language and they talk about him trying to communicate but he can't make any noises or he can Mm -hmm. only make really guttural things my sister would exactly be able to tell us what was wrong with the shape of his mouth because a lot of the times that's like a tongue tie Right. Like, so basically the thing that's joining the bottom of your mouth to your tongue goes too far along your tip. So if you can't move your tongue, you can't create human language mm-hmm. um, in the same way. And so my sister would like probably as a speech 
pathologist student would just like know exactly what was wrong. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting because he really wants to communicate, but he can't. And the only way he can is the cards. And the reason that that becomes significant is that he starts taking the cards, taking Rizkova's cards out of her wagon, which is where she lives and does all of her readings so that she, so that Amos can communicate with Evangeline and that even after Rizkova says, please don't do that. He still keeps doing that, mm-hmm. which kind of is a testament to the fact that this watery woman is like drawing him, drawing some of his like commitment and, you know, not respect. What word am I trying to come up with? I have like, no idea. Solidarity. I don't know. Well, it's, <laughs> like, it, there, there are like other, there's like one other girl that's in the carnival that likes him. And like another yeah. character has said like, oh, she likes you. You, you should, should try talking her. to her. You know, things like yeah. that. And he's like, no, I'm not really interested in her. Like, even though he was interested kind of in her before the mermaid girl came and Evangeline. After yeah. Evangeline, he's like, eh, I'm okay. So I feel I really like I really loved the use <clears throat> of strength as a love thing. Though. I thought that was interesting in like part of it where it's like he doesn't mind being treated like an animal because that's how he's always been treated. Like to kind of yeah, so that's, that's how true. he kind of sees himself is like a wild animal sort of, and that he needs someone to help him, and that's yeah, kind of like, to, like a submissive in that it. relationship. Like I'm willing to kind of like not overtake, you know, be strong yeah. and overpowering because she of course had her grandmother who was strong and overpowering. And yeah. so and if he sees himself both as a lion and the strength card and also as the fool, it's really putting him not in a position of like knowing himself very well mm-hmm. or knowing the world around him very well. So I think that that's pretty like understandable if he's nonverbal and not able to communicate with the people around him. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I also just think like I don't know if somebody would ever see themselves in that way like if they understand all the different archetypes wouldn't they want to choose something that feels a little bit more like there's a possibility for yeah for love or something yeah yeah and i also probably because it was also he didn't want to scare her because you know even though he was feeling the lover's card towards her like wanting to be vulnerable with her wanting to be open with her he him being illiterate and not saying that said lovers on it kind of did him a disservice and kind of scared her off. So him coming to her, approaching her this way, like, I'm just a cute little lion. Can you pet me, please? You know, (laughs) (laughs) look at how non-threatening I am. I'm not threatening. I just want to be your friend sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, And then we go back to Simon's era and his sister is there and she's talking about the cards that she has. And she's saying these ones were actually mom specific cards. And this is where all of the him being like, oh, I thought that they didn't look like Marseille or Ryder cards. <laughs> That's what I'm like, up. oh, so okay. Like, now we clarify. Thank now you. We're 143 <laughs> pages into the book. And now it's like a little bit more clear why these cards don't make any Okay. Sense. Is it strange to you that Enola constantly shuffles her cards in her pocket? What girl has pockets How? big enough? <laughs> I know. Well, she is a very slender girl. She's very slender. She, but what her blue jeans like? Who shuffles their in their blue jeans? Does she look like a I hoodie was pocket? Kind of imagining I mean, that I, she was just like running her fingers alongside them. But, but she you're said totally shuffling, right, like in the, in the thing, yeah. it was like shuffling. Like how is she shuffling these cards? <laughs> no one could shuffle cards because she'd like you know shuffle and, and then look and be the tower, and she put it back in and shuffle more and look and be the tower. So I don't know. I can imagine how that much that would drive you absolutely bonkers <laughs> if you were constantly constantly shuffling and pulling cards and getting the three of swords in the tower over and over. <laughs> And over again i do feel like that would i would put them away for like f- 
six months. Like it would just yeah, be like exactly. I like, would hurt myself break. away. Or <laughs> find a, a different deck and yes. just like see if that. Well, works. and she talks but, about how she never cleanses the deck. Oh, and they they do say yes. they do say smudging in this book, and yeah. I was like, it's not smudging. No. Not only that, they cur- she, he says, well, can't you use sage to clean them? And she and Enola and says, she says, yeah, that's called smudging. It's like, no, girl, it isn't. It's called cleansing with sage unless you're an indigenous person who's actually doing the smudge ceremony. If right, you're just exactly. somebody cleaning tarot cards <laughs> who's not indigenous, it's just called cleansing with sage. And that's fine. But it was funny. I yes. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then she says, like, I don't cleanse them. I don't. She says, I don't smudge them because it's a personal deck and I'm having an ongoing conversation with them. So I don't need to smudge them. I'm like, no, no, no. These cards obviously need a cleansing. Like, yeah, they and if obviously your personal conversation with them is telling you that everyone around you is going to die, maybe try <laughs> cleansing them. I know. Like, it can't hurt. <laughs> I know. Like, I think they need some sort of bath. It's been like, what, a century at least. Yeah, it's been 200 <laughs> years of use with no smoke cleansing at all. Like, how do you know oh it's your, not, your you dead mother communicating with her? Yeah, you know, you need to let her go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let them go. Um, anyway, so uh, that's a whole thing where it's like, what is happening with this woman and her cards? Uh, then when we go back to Rizkova, she b- sort of gets mad at Amos because Amos does a spread where he pulls in a relationship spread um, between him and Evangeline, where he pulls the wheel of fortune, the 10 of pentacles, the ace of cups, the lovers, the two of cups. And he's seeing all of this like good fortune and marriage and love and all of these things. And she says, you see what you want. You taint cards with your hope. You do not read future. You see wishes. And then when she pulls cards for the same thing, she pulls the tower, the three of swords, death and the devil. So it's kind of one of those weird things because why is he's reading hope into it, but she's reading, reading disaster. Into yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. So hers isn't more valid. It's just that they're on really opposite ends of the spectrum about how the relationship will go. And they could both be wrong because she is already anticipating like this is going to be a nightmare and he's anticipating this is going to be beautiful. Right. But it's weird. I have a theory, but I will hold on to my theory until later when it's more appropriate. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, if you're talking about the curse, that's on the next page. Okay. So well, feel okay. Free. Well, it's free. <laughs> I wonder if Madame Zarko. Nope. Right. Skova. There we go. I wonder if she cursed the cards. Oh, she definitely did. Because, because it oh, wasn't until. This? And so it's, it's more of like her fulfilling the prophecy and not yeah. the mermaid and not Amos. And I'm just calling Do you think that she cursed them when Evangeline first showed up? Yeah. Or I think, when... I think it was after the first time he stole it because he kept taking it. And I think that's when yeah. she did it because, and because she wouldn't have opportunity really. And because later when he like takes them forever, that's when that. Yeah. So to me, that's the, that, and especially with the tie in with the bookseller and other things, I feel really feel like he he was trying to undo what his grandmother did or great grandmother. Yeah, I definitely, definitely think that Rizkova cursed the cards, but I, cause there's a moment here where she's doing a protective prayer, but she has all this hatred mm-hmm. underneath it for Evangeline, where she's saying, I want to protect Amos. I want to protect Amos. I want to protect Amos. But she's also thinking like, I hope he, she dies. Basically. Yeah. I yeah. hope she drowns. I hope blah, 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 blah. So this is all being put and this is while she's like shuffling the cards. And so I think that that's like supposed to be more explicitly where the curse comes into play. Yeah. But I do think that beforehand, 
when Evangeline first showed up, there was some element of her already thinking it was going to be a disaster. And so there's no way that she could have been reading, especially because her feelings were so wrapped up in it. She yeah. lost all of her family when she like started traveling with a carnival or whatever. So mm -hmm. if she feels like her son is being taken away, she's not, she can't bring herself to be rational enough to see that there's other ways that this could go besides just destruction. Right. Right. But anyway, so this is where she actually seems to put a curse on the cards that basically Evangeline's offspring will always like the bloodline will die. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And then the family only has daughters for like five generations. Yeah. And I Simon think they're the only like son. single or they're only like one daughter every generation. Yeah. Okay. And then when Simon and, and his sister come along, there's two kids. I think that's like the first in the line of the generations the where there's two time. kids. Yeah, totally. So then like uh, Rizkova realizes that they're kind of in love and she, I can't remember exactly the incident that makes her leave. It was because she and Evangeline, I think had a fight like, because she said, you're a murderer, blah, blah, blah. And she's oh, like, well, I'll murder right. you or something. I forget. It was some sort of stupid. I remember reading. I was like, this is a stupid fight. But okay. Whatever. Yeah. The, the plot. And so <laughs> they, once they leave, or so before uh, Riskova leaves, there's a kind of like some really cool stuff about how, she, how he decides which card to represent each of the people that they work with. So the hermit is uh, Peabody, the guy who's in charge. There's like a bunch of other characters who all have specific I have cards. them written down because of oh, the good. meanings are really weird. Well, not all of oh, them. Yeah, like the hermit I didn't write on. down. Okay, so the friend who is Bon, what's his name? Benno. Benno. Yeah. Benno is the Four of Cups because he has enough to drink and a lot to share. And I was like, that's not the Four of that's Cups. That's not what the Four of Cups is. <laughs> But I guess, like, based I, I, on the actual image, maybe? I feel like, no, no, no. I feel like the, it should be the Three of Cups. Like, because there's four, because you have, uh, whatever, Nine of Cups. Do the Nine of Cups. There's plenty of cups there, and he yeah, looks happy. there's a lot of different things where there's more sharing of the of the cups. And <laughs> and then the Hanged Man is the connection. The Hanged Man is the, the one girl who he had a crush on first, Madeline or something. Yeah, because she's a contortionist. She's a contortionist, and she has a connection to the divine and material things. It's like the between the two and but there is grief and question of one's faith and i was like uh, is that yeah i don't know I, uh, it's like two percent there okay yeah <laughs> and then the magician is who evangeline said that mrs rakova should be because they were both deciding between them all yeah. the cards and for him, the magician meant the will of God or breath of the, of the divine. And I was like, huh. and, but her magician was the whole magic thing, like producing and stuff like that. So hers was actually more like the original meaning, like what we yeah. learned. But his was like more divine. And I was like, okay. Yeah. That's so it just, so it's, it was mostly like major arcana stuff. But it was just like, eh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's just kind of like a little bit sort of on the right track. I mean, I can see why they'd get there, but it seems way more based on the images that theoretically wouldn't have existed on those cards. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so he, after Rizkova leaves, he's he, like, uh, Amos kind of has a panic attack and starts showing the fool and the high priestess and then all of these dark cards over and over and over again. And then Evangeline reassures him that he's not alone by pulling the six of cups and saying like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here or whatever. 
So it's, I thought that was a really effective use of tarot as a means of communication. I felt very touched by it in that creepy tarot alert. Oh my God, this was such a creepy part. So we're like really booking it through. There's like only a hundred pages left, but there's this really (laughs) creepy part where uh, Simon is kind of deciding that he's going to join the carnival. So he wants to go meet Enola's boss basically. And he goes to the carnival, finds Enola. She's doing a reading for two teenage girls just about like, Oh, you're both in love with the same boy and blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly Enola goes into a creepy ass trance. Yes. And this is like the first time that's happened in this book. There has not been a lot of that. And like she they implied says, she has, she's in a trance when she reads for herself, but it's never yeah, been sort of true. like outer. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's, Cause she's like using an accent when she's reading for the girls right. and all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden she's speaking in her regular voice and she's saying she's doing the six by six again. She turns it over and over and over again. And then she says, uh, or he can say, he says that he can see death, the devil, the tower and the three of swords. And she says, losses will be born death rising from below barrenness, empty fields. There will be no children all around you who you love will wither mother, father, and down the line, blah, 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 blah. Your name dies with you, et cetera, et cetera. Everything, uh, for you, it is as water cut stone. You will wear until nothing is left, which is the, in, impression of that even though she's not looking at simon is that Mm -hmm. that's a message intended for For simon Simon. yeah and enola's like fun carnival boyfriend who is covered in tattoos he was adorable like he he and alice are the only two characters i really really liked i thought that i thought doyle was like because doyle starts out seeming like oh my god who the heck is this guy and then you end up loving him so much because he's just like he's adorable great he's really adorable he's so great but anyway doyle's like hey man what the hell were you doing in there like why did you bust into this reading etc etc and like you know leave her alone right now don't do this whatever and Doyle's just like a really great, great guy. Yeah, I really loved him, like the whole book. And Simon was so yeah, skeptical. Doyle's like he was so mean to him, the, like the, almost until like the very end. And I was like, Simon, stop being so mean. He's nice. Yeah, stop being mean to him just because he's covered in tattoos. I know. He's cool. So anyway, then I don't have a lot of notes for a really long time because basically what happens is Evangeline and Amos get pregnant. While she's giving birth, the entire town that they're in gets washed away by a huge flood. And then they get driven out of town. And so that's kind of what's going on with that. And then there's all this personal stuff with Simon that it doesn't really matter. Simon and the house and the neighbor and all of this stuff. They talk a little bit more about how Enola isn't at risk of killing herself through drowning because she's fine. That's not something she wants to do. They talk about how the deck is something that was given to her that wasn't necessarily meant to be given to her. It was supposed to stay in the neighbor's house, but the neighbor gave it to Enola because he thought that she might like it. And there's just all of this sort of additional plot information that isn't as tarot related, but it does come out that it's a hand-drawn deck and that there's a little bit more connections than we think. Evangeline dies. Amos is left with the baby. Okay, no, so this is actually, let me go back for two seconds because I thought this was actually really fucked up. When Evangeline has the baby and the baby starts like, you know, talking or not talking, I guess, just like being aware of things around her. Amos says, can we, you know, give her the tarot deck? I want to see what happens or I want to be able to communicate with her. And Evangeline basically says, no, the baby won't be touching that, which seems really awful because that's his only way of communication. communication, Yeah. 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 And so the idea of her withholding that and not letting him 
have a relationship with his daughter is really along the lines of kind of what Rizkova was scared of. Cause right. that would really crush somebody if they didn't have a family, they finally feel like they're part of a family. And then that family is not allowed to have communication. The baby is right. Ra- so then Amos, how does Amos die? What? He dies so of a involved. broken heart, like like a stroke or like it was like oh, all right. of a sudden. So he also kind of melts away. You're totally right. I forgot about that. That does reflect really well with the, with Simon's parents. But anyway, so they find Rizkova's daughter to be Bess's like tarot. So after both parent, after Amos and Evangeline die, the baby whose name is Bess, which is very unfortunate. No offense <laughs> to Bess's out there. Um, Bess is raised by Peabody uh, in the carnival. And Peabody is like, okay, you're going to be a tarot reader just like your dad. Like, you're going to be so great at this. So they find Rizkova's daughter to sort of train her. And the first card that Bess pulls is the tower. I wrote a note that says baby's first tarot poll. By then she's like a teenager. Yeah. But still she's like looking at these cards and Peabody's like, you're going to be great at this. Blah, 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 blah. And the very first card she pulls is the the tower. tower Of course. Yeah. So there's even, and I think that that is really intentional because this is almost to the end of the book. The tower comes up again in a separate story. And then basically in the next chapter, a huge storm hits modern day and Enola and Doyle and uh, Simon all, use Alice's key to go hang out in the library. And while they're in the library, the house finally actually crumbles into the ocean during this huge storm that happens. And so that's the final tower moment of everything being destroyed and sort of funnily enough. I think that this is probably something she was trying to do, but I don't know if it was totally effective. I think them being in a library is really interesting for that because it's basically saying like information is what saved them. Mm -hmm. Like having the insight is what, prevented them from also falling into the ocean. Actually, I missed something huge, which is they realize that it's a curse. And so they burn the book. They burn all of the material. <laughs> instead the of going to the magic book, they commit arson. Yeah, instead of using the magic book, they decide to burn all the stuff. And then the storm destroys everything. And so they're like, yeah, this didn't work. And then Simon has a realization that it was the cards, not the book that were bringing all of this misfortune to the family. Of course, Enola doesn't want to get rid of them because they're a historical document. (laughs) (laughs) That's not why, but she doesn't want to get rid of them. And so Doyle, who is such a sweet guy, is like, I've pickpocketed her before. I can get him off her. (laughs) And so after they see that the house has been destroyed and they realize that the curse is still in place, Doyle pulls the cards out out of Enola's pocket and hands them to Simon and Simon goes to the ocean as that like, and there's also been this weird thing with like sea sh- or with uh, horse crabs. What are they called? Horse yeah. horseshoe, horseshoe crabs. crabs. There you go. Yeah. Where there's like this huge influx of crabs every time one of these women dies. So basically, how everyone keeps dying is that they walk into the ocean. The crabs basically Envelop latch them, onto yeah. them, and they just lay down and die in the ocean. And so he goes in. He start. He's tr- he's like basically burying the box of tarot cards in the sand under the water. He starts being enveloped by these crabs and then Alice pulls him out of the ocean. Which I'm like, why didn't you burn them? Just like you try to burn everything. I don't. Well, no, because they bring that up. Somebody (sighs) said, I think that the bookseller says it would make sense that a family that's so linked with water Water, would need water to destroy the curse. But then at the end, they come back. So know, that really freaked me out. There's one card, but it didn't have anything on it. It was just like, obviously a tarot card. It was, yeah, it was tarot card. Yeah. But I was just like. Just yeah. cleanse them next time with sage. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just cleanse them. You don't need to do this. 
So, but that's like basically they have to destroy the cards in order to break this curse. And I was really glad about that because at the beginning when I was starting to reread it, I was like, oh shit, I really liked this book, but actually it's like a tarot is evil book. Yeah. And then I realized through reading it, all that no it's not about tarot being evil it's about this specific tarot, tarot deck, deck this hand drawn yeah. tarot deck being cursed yeah and i kind of liked that because it isn't ever saying that tarot is scary it's actually making tarot seem like a really beautiful tool because it's the only way that amos can communicate with anyone it's not tarot that's scary it's this curse that's scary. and i also wondered if because sometimes they it said that like, if you think that a curse exists, it exists. So it's kind of like making yeah. it real. And so I feel like them, because at first they were like, oh, I feel like it worked. And then when they kept thinking about it, there was like that lingering tarot card deck in the background. So I feel yeah. like that also kind of made them rethink like, oh, maybe we didn't do the whole curse sort of thing. So yeah, totally. Anyway, so, yeah. so that's it. I mean, basically everyone ends up living. No one end up, ends up dying. Yeah. And the curse they go on the road. All four of them they go, go on, on the road, road. together. Yeah. Did yeah. you pick up that, of course, like there are modern day people that are tied to the past, but I feel like Bon, Bon, Ben, Bon, what's his name? Benno. Benno. Benno and Doyle, I feel like are related. Yeah, totally. Because they had similar personalities, both were involved in the carnival lifestyle and stuff like that. And Benno yeah. had like, they described facial features. So I felt like he and Benno were connected, even though that was never explicitly stated. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is that there's a lot of through lines because basically every single character sure. has a ancestral link to, to this original yeah. carnival. Yeah. And like the neighbor, don't worry, they're not related, but the na- <laughs> Alice's dad is related to Peabody, you know, somebody yeah. else and yeah, to Peabody and there's all these connections to people and um, the bookseller is connected. So it kind of feels a lot like fate mm-hmm. and a lot like that sort of like that's one of the motifs. And so I could totally see if Doyle were also Doyle and Benno are both super in the carnival world. Like yeah. they know other people in other carnivals. They've heard stories about like both of them are like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is the way that things work. They're like sort of the insiders, mm-hmm. whereas everyone else, even though they are also insiders, seems slightly more like an outsider. outsider right. And he was the only one that was never connected. So I kind of made that connection myself. I was like, huh. Yeah. I wonder. So God, I love him so much. I know. And his carnival skill is so cool. He has like uh, like electrical currents run through his body. Uh, yes. Because apparently the doctor said he has excess iron in his blood. <laughs> so he can like juggle light bulbs and when he has the light bulbs in his hands they're lit up and when they're in the sky they're not yeah so cool i love it and then when he was pulling i think he was pulling simon from the water at one point and simon said he felt like electrical currents like running through him so yeah i was like that is so cool i love toil and then at one point enola says it kissing him uh feels like fresh pennies oh yeah i was like that sounds awful, awful but i'm glad you're into it enola <laughs> Yes, exactly. And they do address the fact that her name is Enola because apparently yeah. her parents were about taking bad things and, you know, putting Making good. words to them to make them good. So Enola is the name of the Maybe her name is the curse. That dropped the atomic bomb. Yeah. yeah seriously. I feel like maybe it's such a bad name. name. I know. It's not the tarot cards. It's not any other crap. It's the name. Yeah. So would you recommend that people read this? I th- I think I think as just a general book, not for any like sort of taro knowledge sort of book. I feel like it's a good yeah. like like fun cuz I I enjoy other books in the similar vein like like Carnival or Magical, Carnival, realism. Magical realism and that sort of um like time period. 
But as far as like a tarot textbook, probably not. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a good. But I also think that there are, are like I'm always looking for fiction that has tarot cards in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a well done version yeah. of that because there's a lot that can be attributed to like uh, differences in interpretation can be attributed to like the fact that these cards are so old and that it was all an oral tradition and all this stuff. And so I, I think that it was really well done, but you're right. I don't think that you'd like get a ton of tarot insight into it as much as you would just enjoying seeing tarot in a book. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. And there's also like a lot, there is like kind of a little bit more of some exciting stuff going on. Oh yeah. We, we left a bunch of stuff relevant. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We left so lots of little storylines off. Lots of little storylines. So if you have recommendations for other books that you think, would be fun to include definitely let us know because it was fun to do a little bit of a read along yeah, with you i know i i need to read more often so i i enjoyed doing this i'm gonna force you into it <laughs> you know i'm trying <laughs> and this was my 80th book of the year oh my gosh yay and that was your goal 80 right my goal was 65 oh, 65 so. okay oh yeah, so we got a lot done. We but did. anyway, yeah, I hope that you enjoyed our foray into books. Yes. Um, let us know because yeah. if everyone hates it, then we won't do it we again. Do but it if again. it was something that some people liked, then we can lo- you know keep trying. Yeah. There's a lot of books since because both of us like sort of like like 18th and early 19th and early 20th century fiction mm-hmm. that has magical elements into it. I feel like we could find a lot of books to read like I know we've mentioned witches of New York before and somebody in the Facebook group said that it was actually on sale on Amazon recently but like that would be one it doesn't have a lot of tarot in it but there is divination in it that was Mm -hmm. a really fun thing um I have a lot of books a lot of fiction about you know that sort of thing so if you like it definitely let us know yeah if you if you read a book that includes it like this we would love to know about it yeah, totally. And you can post that on our Facebook page or message us or whatever. But that's our show. So thank you for listening. If you like us, please tell some friends about us and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you have a Tara question or a life question that could be helped through Taro, email us at wildlytarapodcast at gmail.com or message us on our Instagram at wildlytarapodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram for pictures of the decks we're using or join our Facebook community by searching Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. Also, feel free to follow each of us on Instagram. I am Celestial Esther and Holly is Holly Enchanted. Lastly, thank you for sticking with us through our transition. We love you and we hope that you tarot wildly this week. Yes, we do. Bye!